It is such a strange day. Before Alan welcomed us this morning, did you know what day it was? I'm guessing many of you have wondered over the course of this weekend, is it Advent yet? That's what's next, right? Since All Saints Day, we've spent this month giving thanks for the saints among us. This past week, we celebrated Thanksgiving, and while it's not a religious holiday, it certainly marks the turning of the season for our culture. And here we sit on the last Sunday in November, and if you're anything like me, you are anxious to move on ahead to the joy of the Advent season. But we are not there yet. So today sure does feel like we are sitting and waiting in the meantime. In this weird week, it feels kind of like an end. At least this season often feels that way. You've eaten your turkey. You've had as many conversations with family as you can stand. You've gotten swept up in the emails promising 40% off from every single company you've ever heard of. The weather is turned cold again. The days are getting darker. And it feels like we're just waiting in the meantime for the light of Advent and Christmas to come back again. But today we celebrate a moment in the liturgical calendar that doesn't often get a lot of attention. It's often a little bit lost in the midst of all the other religious and secular holidays. Today we celebrate Christ the King Sunday, which we also refer to as the Reign of Christ Sunday. And today is technically the last day of the year, liturgically speaking. While Advent and Christmas mark the end of our regular calendars, next week, the first week in Advent, we'll begin the year all over again with the waiting and the welcoming of the Christ child. And so it only seems fitting that today, the last day of the year, we would celebrate the entirety of Christ's life, resurrection, and heavenly reign. We spent an entire year celebrating that newborn baby, learning who Jesus was as a man and hearing the ways that he has called us to live. And now we have one week before we start learning those lessons all over again. So theoretically, we should be at the pinnacle. We should be at the height of our faithfulness. It makes sense that today of all days, we should be overcome with wonder of who Christ is, how he lived, and of the invitation that he has extended to each of us. The psalm that we read this morning as our call to worship invited us to this type of praise. It was a call to sing God's praises to claim what we know to be true and to celebrate God's goodness, not just once in a while, but in all ways, on all days. And yet, we have to be given this reminder because it doesn't always come naturally every single day. Part of why we long for Advent is because it is so easy to worship Jesus, the infant child who came with so many promises. It's easy to believe in the hope, peace, joy, and love that are ushered in with the birth of the Christ child. We find it easy to get excited about sharing God's gift of love with each other, of singing hymns of Advent and carols of Christmas, 
we have no problem finding joy in the goodness of the stories of Christ that is yet to come. But aren't we invited to worship God all year round with the same fervor that we do during Advent? And yet most of us, this day feels like it's a Sunday in the way of Christmas. We're a people who like to rejoice over what is to come, and we sometimes struggle to remember and to let our lives reflect what has been. We like to think of the promise of the newborn Jesus, but in the meantime, we sometimes forget to live with excitement for everything that followed. Living in the meantime can feel hard. It may be the time when you're waiting on a test result or a diagnosis. It can be when you're hoping for a loved one to recover from addiction. It can be the excruciating slowness of watching your partner's mind fail. It can be exhausting while in the midst of deep grief. But the living in the meantime doesn't have to only feel difficult. It, too, can be filled with joy, knowing that Christ has conquered even the most painful things that we experience on this earth. We don't have to deny our suffering, but we can choose to turn to the one whose reign is full of goodness and mercy and hope. Being in the meantime is also nothing to be afraid of. It doesn't have to be boring or uneventful. In my house, I have two people who are perpetually afraid of being bored, and they hear me say repeatedly, being bored is a choice, because I'm a firm believer that any free time you have, any mean time you have, is simply an opportunity for discovery, for growth, for fun, for rest. These in-between spaces are ripe with opportunity. The meantime is a place for good to happen and a place to explore our faith more deeply and intentionally. Maybe you've noticed that we have several teenagers around here who have grown inches, if not feet, in the last year. You likely didn't notice week by week, but you noticed over a span of time. You've watched Jack and Miller and Caleb and Della and so many others as their limbs have lengthened, their mannerisms shifted, and their voices matured. And that's because growth doesn't happen all at once on one glorious day. Growth happens in the meantime. And if we desire it, growing in our faith has the potential to happen for us in the meantime as well. In his book, A Testament of Devotion, the pastor and mystic Thomas Kelly wrote, Our real problem is failing to center down. It's not a lack of time. It is, I fear, in too many of us, lack of joyful, enthusiastic delight in God. Lack of deep, deep drawing love directed toward God at every hour of the day and night. It's the meantime that we have ample opportunities to draw closer to God. It's in the meantime that we can set our intention to love more fully and live in a way that is more connected to our faith. 
We've just experienced a season of gratitude, but we've not yet cycled back to a season of hope. We are in the meantime, and so what then should we do? Who should we be? We have a choice to make. Today's scripture points us to that choice. Earlier in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, he reminds them of some of the basic tenets of our faith. Paul didn't know this particular church personally, but their reputation had preceded them. He knew that they knew through Christ we have redemption, forgiveness, and grace that are lavished upon us. The early church in Ephesus knew that we have been given wisdom, insight, and assurance that we belong to God. They believed that we are promised that Christ will walk alongside us offering us an example of how to live and counsel when we are uncertain. And Paul's letter reminds the Ephesians and us that because of those many gifts, we should choose to live in a way that praises Christ our Lord. In today's lectionary text, Paul's words sing of the glories of God and remind us that Christ is truly above all things, above any power or personality on this earth. There's nothing and no one greater than Jesus Christ. Therefore, Christ is the ultimate guide for us as individuals and as a body of believers. We are meant to complement Christ. Our lives should be reflections of the one who is above all else. St. Basil the Great echoed Paul's words when he said, This is how you pray continually, not by offering prayer in words, but by joining yourself to God through your whole way of life so that your life becomes one continuous and uninterrupted prayer. But isn't that a difficult choice? Isn't it hard for our lives to constantly reflect Jesus? There's so many other options for us. We can choose for our lives to reflect the beliefs of our American culture. They can reflect a chosen political party. We can choose to follow our desires for material things, for power, for control. And yet this day, when we celebrate the reign of Christ, it makes sense that we would pause in the meantime to evaluate exactly who or what we have chosen to reign over our own hearts. It wasn't until my 20s that I was presented with the idea that perhaps the kingdom of God could be happening right here on earth as it is in heaven. You've heard me mention this in a lot of my prayers. It was a transformative realization in my own theological development and faith understanding. Just maybe we are being invited to bring God's goodness to the earth through our own actions. Perhaps we're not here on earth simply to earn our way to heaven. But maybe God is inviting us to make this world as close to God's heaven as it can be. Will we fall short? Most certainly. But won't it be better for humanity if we're working together to bring God's goodness, Christ's kingdom, to this place at this time? Shouldn't we be working toward ending human suffering, 
embracing all people as children of God, sharing God's light and the grace of Jesus Christ with a world that needs something other than our failed plans at governing and judging and striving. Shouldn't the church, more specifically its people, be complementing the work of Christ? Maybe this sounds new to you, or maybe it feels daunting. That's not the intention of this thinking. Don't worry. We aren't being asked to save the world ourselves. We aren't being asked to live in a way that's impossible. But instead, we are being invited to lead and live with love. If we were trying to bring up just any old kingdom to earth, it would be obvious how to go about it. Everyone would be assigned a rank according to their greatness, their obedience, and their submission to the law. In most kingdoms, there are folks who are on the inside, and there are others who are not allowed to participate in the balls, the parties, or the parades. There are some who are punished simply for not showing deference or for breaking protocols, while still others are elevated for succumbing to the expectations of the king. And because of those ideas of what a kingdom is, it can be hard for us to talk about Christ as king or the reign of Christ. But this is an opportunity for us to see that Christ turned upside down the expectation that a kingdom be tyrannical or intimidating. Christ showed us a way to live that reversed the standard and set the last as first. Christ, as king, elevated the lowly, set the oppressed free, and made clear the path for all to access God, not just those who followed the right rules or spoke the right way or who had inherited a specific system of living. Christ's reign seeks to open wide the arms of a God who created and loved us. Christ's reign offers us the Holy Spirit as that still, small voice inside to guide and shepherd us. Christ's reign compels us to live differently than those around us, not seeking to be or have the best, but to look toward the interests of others. Christ's reign is not for a select few, but it is for all. And as the body of Christ, we must not sit idly by hoping for this particular kingdom to just show up around us. Instead of being a king who makes things happen through decree or by force, our Christ as king invites us into partnership with him. We get to work alongside Christ to bring about a new type of kingdom, one of hope and equality, compassion, grace, and love. Maybe you've already thought about all of this, and you diligently desire to bring about the reign of Christ through your own life, but it can feel lonely when it seems like you're on the path by yourself, and that, friends, is the purpose of the church. We get to do this important work together. We've just concluded a season of commitment here at First Baptist. We've heard about the importance of offering our time, our talents, and our resources to this specific place. And much of that commitment is so that we can more readily share God's love with this world. 
But commitment to this particular church also means that we're not alone in doing this work. Joining our hearts and our lives together with intention enables us to be siblings with one another, sharing in the joys and the sorrows of this human life. It empowers us to do God's work in this world together more effectively and more confidently than we might do it alone. Commitment to one another enables us to go through the in-between times. It can be easy to follow Christ when things are going well in our lives. It can even be easy to follow Christ when we're in the depths of despair. But it is often in the meantime that our attention can turn. It's in the meantime that we can be pulled away by other priorities. It's in the meantime that we forget our calling to bring the kingdom of God here to earth. And so in our commitment to one another, we find support and accountability to continue in the ways of our faith. It's in community that we can pay attention to the ways Jesus is leading us versus the ways the world might be leading us. And when we claim one another as community, we're also able to offer each other a safe place to rest when the things of this world seem too great. We can offer each other reminders that in those times, God is still greater. Isn't it fascinating that we find ourselves here in the meantime celebrating Christ as king? A king rules over all things. A king is incapable of being overtaken. And we find our hope in knowing that nothing in this world can separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ. And yet, we celebrate Jesus who came to show us a way of leading that is upside down and unexpected, while he is even more powerful than any other leader who has or is yet to reign. We're in a space where we claim Christ as the almighty King of Kings. And next week, we will turn our attention toward a baby, a vulnerable child from an ordinary family. Today, in the liturgical calendar, we are ending ordinary time. You may have noticed that our pyramids and our banners changed from the green of ordinary time to the white associated with our holiest of days. Before we move to the blue of the Advent season, we pause to celebrate the holiness of Christ and the holiness of the kingdom that life in Christ offers us. For All Saints Day this year, these white banners were hung for the first time. Cheryl and Sharon and Susan created these beautiful pieces to offer us visual reminders of these holy days in the life of our faith. Although I'd seen the material chosen for the banners earlier this summer, I'd not seen them completed until they had just been hung right before All Saints Sunday. And my eyes were immediately drawn to the top. And I told the ladies that I couldn't take my eyes off of the movement of the fabric. It's as if the fabric is spilling over the top, flowing down from its source like water. And in that movement of fabric, 
I'm reminded of the flowing of Christ's kingdom into and through us. God's love flows through Christ into us, and Christ's grace flows from us to this world. And this happens all the time, not just on the holiest of days. It happens while we're waiting, while we are waiting for a king to reign or just waiting for a baby to be born in a manger. So now, in the meantime, let us set our hearts on the glory of God. Let's claim and worship a God who sent Jesus Christ to share a love that flows freely. We can use the meantime to decide what we will believe, who we will be, and how we will live. And together, in the meantime, we can work alongside each other with the power of Jesus Christ to bring about the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven.